This is Comic Shenanigans, episode 53, comic reviews for the week of February the 13th. Welcome back to Comic Shenanigans. I'm your host, Adam Chapman, and this is episode number 53, as we look at the comics that were released the week of February the 13th and doing auto reviews of those issues. Um, there wasn't, it wasn't a huge week. Um, it felt like a, like the last week of, of a month, even though it's not. Um, there, there were some good stuff that came out. There's also some not-so-good stuff. It's weird that it was the middle of the month, and yet it didn't quite feel like a middle-of-the-month kind of week in terms of the comics that were released. Uh, the total amount of comics that were released, you're probably looking at around, from the big two, like just under 30 or just around 30. Um, looking at a lot of the books that came out this week, though, I first of all, I have to apologize that the, this podcast is going up. Uh, very late on Monday the 18th, which is a day later than normal. I usually like to get the podcast up on Sundays. Uh, obviously, it has happened where it's uh, been going up on Mondays instead, uh, and not usually this late in the day. Uh, unfortunately, uh, this was a case of, uh, in Canada at least, we have, or at least in Ontario, in Canada, we have a, a new holiday that's been in effect for the last what, four or five years called Family Day. And so as much as I meant to originally do the podcast yesterday, we were having a Family Day party because it's Family Day weekend. And then today I was off work, but didn't have a chance to actually sit down and read a lot of the books. And then when it came time to finally read them, there was a lot of stuff that just felt very meh. Very or um, stuff that I just didn't feel any real interest in reading, so it ended up being a little bit less comics I ended up reading for this episode. So um, there's a bunch of stuff I didn't end up covering. I'll have a summary again at the end of the episode, like normal. Um, but uh, there was a fair bit, and I think there's almost as many comics I didn't review as I did, which, as I did review. So a little bit different. Uh, so I do apologize for those who, people who are looking to hear reviews of those particular books that came out, and we're looking forward to hearing what I thought about them. Uh, there just wasn't enough time given the weekend and how it went, and uh, some of the books I, I flipped through them, and I was like, you know what, I'm not really interested, at least not now. Maybe in another take. Uh, usually I try to give books a, a shot at some point. I mean, I've done that with Hawkman and Deathstroke, both books which I've actually enjoyed more than I thought I would. Um, sometimes a, a big part of that is if the art is at least alluring, I'll give it a shot. If it's not, then I'm probably checking out, which is unfair. I, I got to admit, in some cases, I, if I really, you know, buckled down and said, you know, I'm going to read this, I might actually really enjoy them. But also, if you're not really grabbing me in the first few pages based on the art and the story, then you probably don't deserve for me to even read your book. Um, because you should be grabbing you right away and not have it come to mean something later on in the middle of the book. Anyways, that is what it is. Uh, we'll jump right in. Uh, we have Age of Apocalypse number 12 came out. Um, I, I've said it before, this was a book that I didn't expect to enjoy. Uh, kind of came onto it very late, uh, or feeling late, uh, really just in the middle, maybe issue 5 or 6, I can't remember the exact issue. Um, not really sure where the series is going to go after what happens here, but I do. I did kind of like what was going on. The artwork felt better than it has been. Um, maybe it's a change in art. I don't even know if it was a change in artist or not. The artwork's done by uh, Renato Arlem. Uh, it's written by David Laffam. Uh, this was actually really, really cool. Uh, we have the aftermath of this big plan to uh, stop um, uh, basically Wolverine because he's he's the overlord of this world, and you got to stop him and. Uh, the first few pages, like the, there's something. The art was really well done. I like the the style. The the inking was kind of cool. Um, 
there's just there's a grittiness to this book and how it operates. Now I still don't really understand half of the Age of Apocalypse because after the original Age of Apocalypse, I never really read the follow-up miniseries, uh, the 10th anniversary that they did, because I thought that kind of diluted what I liked about the original, so I didn't really care. And then the Uncanny X-Force stuff was cool, but even now, I don't really remember how it kind of left some of these characters. Um, and, like, some characters, I don't even know why they're even still here. So, it, I mean, it is what it is. Um, so, And I feel like... I, so much of what I loved about the original Age of Apocalypse doesn't always feel present in this book. We have characters that kind of show up, and I'm like, how are they even still alive? And I'm like, well, I guess I just missed something. Uh, it just doesn't quite feel right, or, or things just don't jive with what I remember from the original Age of Apocalypse. And maybe I'm totally wrong and off base, but I did enjoy this book. It was an interesting concept. You have the idea that their overlord's down, what happens in the overlord's absence, uh, what happened to Wolverine and Jean Grey. Uh, where, where did this power go? It helped set up, um, I guess, the upcoming crossover, uh, which I wasn't really that interested in reading, but I like how it was kind of set up here and how they're building towards it, so it's, it's not going to feel as kind of just um, spontaneous. It's just, we're going to do a crossover now. Now it's actually going to make sense. Um, so, pretty cool uh, overall. I mean, again, I this is a book that I maybe don't have the highest expectations for, and but it's actually ended up being pretty enjoyable all the way through, which is surprising, but cool. Uh, I give it an 8 out of 10. Next up is Avengers Arena number 4. Man, this is frustrating. Because uh, I don't want to like this book. I, I want to hate this book because it's a, dis- a deplorable um, concept. The cover really doesn't mean anything either because it deals with characters who aren't really in the book all that much. Uh, well, kind of, depending on how you look at it. It's written by Dennis Hopeless with artwork by Alessandro Vitti. I really like Vitti's artwork. Loved Vitti's artwork on um, Secret Warriors when he was the illustrator there. So, really nice artwork. It's the idea that you have the runaway, two of the runaways, Chase and Nico, meeting up with Hazmat, Reptile, and X-23. Um, kind of an interesting little team-up. You got a little bit more into Chase's psyche, etc., as they try to survive here uh i'm not really sure what happens to reptile or if this like i i don't know i don't know some of it worked but some of it really didn't and then the ending happens and it just felt very like really like that has to happen um so i don't know it's interesting i guess it's uh, there wasn't as much flagrant uh deaths happening here and you help it had a little bit more characterization but i guess this is a problem i have with the book as well is that I mean, this is a book that's supposed to take place over, like, a month. Yeah, it's going to go drag on forever. No, I like that you're getting these characterization, and you're seeing these characters kind of evolve, and seeing them address the situation that they're in, but, I don't know, it just still doesn't feel like a a real good setup for an ongoing series, and that just kind of bugs me. And also, as we start to see more characters die, and I'm not really looking forward to that either. Um, so the, the, the artwork is really good. I give it, the artwork is more of an eight. The story is more of a six. I give it an overall more of a seven. Um, next up is Avengers Assemble number 12. This is a book that I, I don't really know what its purpose is because, I mean, Hickman's Avengers books have very clear kind of, um, trajectory. I mean, you have the, the big, the, the massive, big, huge stories that Hickman likes to tell in both of his books, one with Illuminati, one with the Avengers, and then you've got, uh, uh, you've got Secret Avengers happening, which isn't really Avengers at all, it's just, it's basically a S.H.I.E.L.D. book, but they're not calling it that, and then, which is frustrating, um, 
what else is there? Then there's the Uncanny Avengers, and then you have Avengers Assemble, which ostensibly was supposed to be kind of the movie characters, and then it's not. You're also throwing in Spider-Woman for fun. Uh, that being said, I like the story. Um, it's a little light. Uh, the, I actually, the artwork and the story are both kind of the same, that, that they're good at times, but sometimes they kind of lack um, details and a certain clarity. Uh, and that's, again, both on the writing and the artwork. Like, it's hard to describe it, but there's some panels, like, there's a lot of detail. It's really rich, and it, it's in, it looks very f- uh, fully formed. And then you have other shots where it's, like, very, like, scant details. And the writing kind of feels the same way. Um, overall, though, I mean, gave it a 7 out of 10. It's not a bad read. I like the idea that you have uh, that Black Widow's done some horrible things in her life, and she's kind of given out these markers as a, a karmic markers to kind of repay her debt. Um for all the bad things she did once, which is actually kind of a cool concept. And then uh, the way that Kelly um, Sudeconic runs it is actually pretty interesting as well. Also, I like that it was, um, I think the issue is even called Budapest, and that's could be considered, I don't know if it's meant to be or not, probably is uh, a reference to the, um, the Avengers movie, as there's references made to something that happened between Black Widow and Hawkeye in Budapest. Uh that being said, it doesn't seem to have much real relevance on the story, but, I mean, it's there. Um, the artwork here is by Pete Woods with uh, Scott Hanna on inks and, as I say, Kelly Sudeconic writing. Uh, it's not bad stuff at all. Um, I give it a 7 out of 10. It's enjoyable. It's not the strongest stuff. It doesn't necessarily uh, have a, a very distinct flavor. Like I think like Uncanny Avengers and Avengers by Hickman are quite different books. I mean, Remender's doing something very weird and zany and uncanny, and Avengers is this bigger than like this huge epic story yarn being told, um, and and that is kind of separates them from tonally and thematically. Here, I don't really know where Avengers Assemble is really supposed to fit. Like when it first started with the first what, eight or nine issues, uh, and it was by uh, Bendis and. Uh, Bagley, it felt like this is this is your you're jumping in to understanding the movie Avengers in the comics, um, and it and it felt like they were going towards that, setting up this big you know epic space stuff with um, uh, the Guardians of the Galaxy and Star Lord. This doesn't feel like it really knows where it wants to be yet. Uh, next up is Batgirl number seventeen. Uh, great read. Um, it's after Batman number seventeen. Um, but I did enjoy this. It is a, kind of a one-off in its own way, though, because it's by Guy Fox and artwork by Sam Pierre. Um, so this is the, I guess, one or two issues that Gail Simone isn't writing. Uh, it's not as good as when she's on it, especially not having a audience off on the book. It's 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 not bad. It's kind of her dealing with the aftermath of what happened in the first uh, in the last few issues with the death of the family crossover. And the idea of, of her brother being really messed up as well. Um, so it's not bad. Uh, I enjoyed it as a kind of a one-off. I am, of course, looking forward to having Gail Simone back. Because she's just fantastic. Um, but no, this is... And, and you got Firebug here as well. I, I still enjoyed this. It, it wasn't bad. Uh, next up is... Uh, I'm sorry, I gave that a 7 out of 10. So far, a lot of 7s. Uh, so far, we have 8 out of 10 for Age of Apocalypse, 7 out of 10s for Avengers Arena, Avengers Assemble, and background number 17. Uh, next up is Batman number 17, which I gave a 9 out of 10. Uh, this is a really good book. I, to be honest, I haven't actually read or listened to any other opinions in the book, which is actually probably a good thing. 
because I want to get as unvarnished an opinion I could, I could have as possible. Uh, so I haven't read any reviews of any comic websites. I haven't listened to any podcasts that talk about it yet. Um, this is a pretty good issue. Uh, it's messed up. It's creepy. It's um, a really g- great f- um, focus and... Um, uh, I'm not thinking, I can't even think of the words today. You really have the the Joker taking center stage as this messed up creature destruction. Him having this weird love affair almost with the Batman, and uh, the way the Batman kind of is able to put an end to this uh, interaction is actually pretty fast, pretty awesome too. With him taunting Joker with something the Joker just can't handle um, that would undermine a lot of things. There's obviously a lot of allusions here to Sherlock Holmes and Moriarty. Uh, just in the way that Joker quote-unquote dies. Um, I loved uh, how at the end there's a, a trace substance that everyone in the family has been irradiated with and Batman's able to uh, identify it. And the secondary name of this element is, starts with H.A. and its, its symbol is H.A. And it's this great sh- successive shot of panels where you just have the H.A. and each, and then you have like Batman's reactions as it as it gets closer and closer and tighter and tighter on the H.A. So if he's reading it, it just feels like ha, 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 ha. And it's just the idea that Joker's just messing with Batman. That's all he ever does. Um, it also reminded me of the Green Goblin, the Harry Osborn Green Goblin, uh, his big thing at the end of... The, uh, I believe, 1994 storyline, Pursuit, um, in the Spider-Man books, where Spider-Man went kind of crazy after his parents were revealed to be simulacry, or however you, however you pronounce it, uh, basically, gen- like, genetic-slash-cybernetic uh, constructs meant to mess with Peter, um, and so Peter kind of went crazy, he hunts down Chameleon, beats the crap out of him, and then he finds his computer program, and it's Green Goblin's face, and it's Harry's voice, just going, you know, gotcha. And it's just like this gotcha, ha, ha, ha. And that's how I felt here as well. Um, I also like here that you have the idea that Joker probably does know uh, exactly who Batman is, but doesn't care. It's not about... He, it's almost like uh, Black Cat doesn't care about Peter Parker, but loves Spider-Man. It's, it's the mask she loves. It's Spider-Man. It's, it's that persona. It's not who he really is. It's not his fallibility. It's not his human nature that makes him Peter that matters to her. It, uh, at least in the classic sense uh, when she still had a romance with Peter. It's more about the spider. And that's kind of how Joker is in his own weird twisted love affair with Batman. It's him and Batman forever doing their dance. Um, even at the end of the Dark Knight movie where he's like, I feel the feeling we're going to be doing this for a long time. It's this, this epic dance between these two uh, perfect adversaries. Uh, and no one else can really should be able to get in the way of that. And he doesn't care if you're Bruce Wayne. He doesn't care about the humanity. He cares about the symbol. He cares about Batman. Uh, I like to hear that Scott, Scott Snyder plays with the idea that something happened. Or maybe something, maybe nothing happened, but at the end of the day, as a result of the storyline, either it being the fact that Batman held something back from them, or something that Joker said, at the end of the day, they're all kind of distancing themselves from him, and Batman's alone, which is exactly what Joker wanted. And then you have this Joker laugh. Um, I really enjoyed this issue. Uh, it's creepy, it's sadistic and messed up, but I gave it a 9 out of 10. It's a great read. I can't wait to read it all collected in like an actual collected format. Not just going from issue to issue, but also just having a nice trade of it and being able to give it to people and saying, this is a really messed up, creepy Joker story, but you should read it and you have to read it. It's well worth it. 
Uh, next up is Batman and Robin number 17. Now this is an issue which is very much one where you can take it or leave it. You don't need to read it. You probably won't miss anything. But it's actually a really fun and enjoyable read if you like these characters. If you like uh, Batman and Damien and, and Alfred and this weird kind of family that they have. Uh, it's actually a really cool read that they all they all go to bed and they all have these nightmares. And just seeing what those nightmares do to them. Um, artwork by Patrick Gleason. It's written by Peter J. DeMossi. It's a great handle of these characters. I think, uh, although, you know, obviously uh, Robin was introduced by Grant Morrison, I really do think that it's, um, the, the incredible work that Tomasi's done is, is far superior in actually making me like Ro uh, Robin as a character and actually connect with, um, with Damian Wayne, especially in the Batman and Robin book. I think... It's just been such a fun read, and I mean, it, they've always had this this relationship, Batman and Robin, but now Robin actually is his son, um, so it's really cool. Um, the dreams that are here are pretty interesting as well, uh, especially uh, Alfred's, where he ends up shooting off the Joker's head with a shotgun, which is kind of awesome, and then him waking up horrified, then going back to sleep, and then grinning. Like, it's a horrifying dream, but at the same time... He got to kill the bad guy. Uh, I gave it a 9 out of 10. I actually really dug this. It's not in any way uh, absolutely important to understanding this book, but it's still a hell of a good read. Next up is Cable and X-Force. Uh, this is num issue number 4. Did not really care for most of this. I gave it a 5 out of 10, and I felt like I was being a little too generous. Uh, the artwork is absolutely uninspired. This is some of La Roca's uh, least interesting, least engaging work. The colors are uh, tepid uh, and lacking life and luster. Um, the artwork just lacks a spark uh, of energy, and it just feels like going through the paces. And the the villain, like the the monstrous creatures that the, the X Force is fighting, are lacking like any real detail of that would make them interesting. Even there's a hole that Death Deathlock comes through, and it's just so generic. Um, Hopeless's script. I don't even understand what's happening, nor do I really care. Like, I don't... There's there's so little to really make a, a, the reader really care about. I found the first issue of Uncanny X-Force had more characterization in one issue than four issues of this series. Um, it has just been no, so little to make me all that interested or engaged in why the hell this X-Force even exists. Um, you know, left said the better. I just This is so disappointing. I want... Cable deserves better than this, which is saying something. Uh, next up is Deathstroke number 17. This was much better than Cable. Um, I actually gave this, I think, an 8. Um, it was actually a fairly solid read. Um, Deathstroke's an odd book. It's not a character, but... You know, I, I, I've actually been digging it, just because there's not a lot of thinking that has to go into reading this. I mean, it's Deathstroke versus this character, uh, this villain, and... He ends up against ninjas. I mean, it's very simple. And then him going back to find out why this this hit uh, has been put out on him. It's a very simple concept that, you know, he... Deathstroke is under fire and he's just reacting and he's going to try to find out who's after him and who's got this hit out on him. And it's it's not much more than that, but it's a really fun read. Justin Jordan wrote it uh, with pencils by Edgar Salazar. You know, as silly as it might be, and it's not... It's not a, the thinking man's comic. It's very much an action-adventure comic that's 
very light on on thought and more on just fun action. It's still a good book. I gave it an eight out of ten, and I it's one of those books that like, I don't understand why I'm enjoying it as much sometimes. But it just it just kind of does what it does, and it's not it's not overly stupid about it. It just it's it just I don't know. It's just light hearted. And it's not taking itself too seriously, and it's having a good time. Unlike Cable Next Force, which was the opposite. It just wasn't a good time. It's taking itself too seriously, and it wasn't good. Uh, so I gave Deathstroke number 17 an 8 out of 10. Uh, next up is Fantastic Four number 4. I don't know. I don't know where this is going. I, I just feel like this is one of those issues that happens every once in a while, where Reed realizes that he's been a bit of a dick to his wife. Like, that's... That's basically the 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 uh, essence of this issue is that Reed is obviously keeping a secret from Sue and the rest of the family, and uh, they they meet this group and they, anyways, it's basically this framed in this idea that Reed sometimes takes his wife for granted, doesn't tell her the truth, uh, isn't as as nice as he should be, and he has to tell her the truth to tell him what's going on, why have they actually gone on this trip together, and the idea that you know, and I like that he's finally going to tell her. And they're finally going to talk about it, but it's just, I don't know, it just feels very uh, artificial that, you know, Fraction is playing with this idea that, oh, look, he's been such a dick, and she's pissed off, and, like, this just happened. In Future Foundation by Hickman, there was the whole idea that, like, Reed had done something pretty awful. He had the bridge, and he told her he was was taking it apart, and said he rebuilt it, and then it kind of put this entire big mega story into into, uh, play, um, because of that domino effect that he had started something that he, that ended up threatening the world and it was so involved that it was only thanks to his children in the future planning things out to the second that they were even able to turn it all away and in the middle of Future Foundation I think in volume 1 or 2 he goes and he tells Susan like we gotta talk I'm sorry this is what we've done this is what we're moving forward and they were a team again and this just feels like once again he's being a dick and he's holding back something back from his wife and it's just, I don't know, personally, I, that part kind of bothered me. The artwork is fantastic. Um, if, I'm giving it a 7.5, so really I'm giving it a 9 on artwork and almost a 6 on story. The story is okay, but it's again, it's very generic, and they're meeting this group, and they're in space, and a thing feels kind of lonely, and it, I don't know. It's not the greatest story. It feels like something we've done before. Uh, the, the whole idea of this kind of little mini riff appearing between Sue and Reed because of his lie. Again, that's been done before. The artwork is spectacular, though. Although on the last page, like, Sue looks almost a little too ripped <laughs> in tone, and so does uh, Reed's butt. I don't know why I noticed, but they have this weird kind of... He's on the frame, but we're looking kind of behind him, and it's just like, man, I love you, Bailey, but maybe tone it down a little. Uh, so I gave that a 7.5 out of 10. Next up is uh, Manhattan Project number nine. Oh, such a great book! This is a, a nine out of ten book. Uh, I love Manhattan Projects. The artwork by Nick Patara is absolutely fantastic. The colors by Jordi Belair are sublime. Um, the writing by Jonathan Hickman is really, really fantastic. Uh, I, I just love the whole concept of this book. I mean, the, this issue and last have been the most action-packed issues that we've had thus far. We don't really get the flashbacks or any of that kind of stuff, but the idea that you know the the political masters of the world didn't want to give up their power and they had to take it to the the, the science masters and they thought they had all the contingencies, but they didn't 
have enough. And this is where the the issue where the the science lords really hit back hard. Um, they have the FDR AI. They kill it. It's funny as hell because you have uh, the dog, this the Soviet space dog, pissing on basically the power supply and, and turning off the uh, FDR AI. Um, it's interesting though. Like if you read like the first five or six issues, you think you know where the book's going, and then he just totally says, "You know what? Fuck this. I'm not gonna go that way. I'm gonna go a different way." And like I hold, I like the idea of the FDR AI, and now that doesn't even matter anymore. And now you're introducing JFK. Like I almost feel like. I want the book to slow down, but I don't. Like, I love that there's this breakneck pace, and they're just doing shit. But at the same time, I feel like, don't move too fast. Don't move too far. I want I want to spend time with these characters. Um, it's just such a fun book. I love the idea of this evil Einstein is such an evil prick. Like, in the last issue, the great panel of him like, shooting a machine gun. Uh, like an action hero star. It's such a great book. If you're not reading Manhattan Projects, you really owe it to yourself to read it. Um... Great science fiction, great humor, great action. Uh, it's just a great book, and I cannot wait to see where we go from here. There's so there's so many opportunities in this book that Hicklin can just kind of do whatever he wants. And I love like the idea of what really happened to President Truman. Um, Oppenheimer is one of the scariest freaking characters. Uh, next issue will actually be quite a change of pace because uh, Nick Patara will be I guess be taking an issue off. They have a guest uh, guest artist, and it looks like it's going to be an issue talking about the infinite Oppenheimers, which. I guess we'll be getting a glimpse inside Oppenheimer's head. Um, it should be really interesting. I'm also interested to see what the um, what kind of uh, direction the book will take in terms of uh, Leslie Groves, who's the you know the he was always the military guy who was the uh, liaison with the government. And now that's very different. I mean, now the government's not in the front seat. Now the science masters are kind of on their own. I'm interested to see if he's going to end up being as important or if eventually he'll just be chafed that they'll need to cut loose. be interesting to see what happens with him. So I gave it a 9 out of 10. Exquisite. Fantastic. Um, next up is Scarlet Spider number 14. I think I'd give this story more of like a... Se- I, the story's more of a 7.5. But I guess the, uh, the, the, the... I was trying to think of the word. The story's a 7.5. The actual writing... Sorry, the artwork is more of a four and a half um, because it's awful. Um, the artwork is not good. I didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, the story is actually pretty interesting because they're bringing back the idea of the other and it kind of explains how... It, I like that we're finally getting an idea of how the hell did Kane survive and become uh, Tarantula in the first place. And now we're getting an idea that it's, it's connected to the other. Which, I mean, is kind of an old concept now, because it's like six or seven years ago. But I like that they're kind of addressing it. Um, this issue is written by Chris Yost with pencils by Koi Pham. I, I want to say, I like Koi Pham. This is not his best work at all. It is so sketchy and lacking in details and even good anatomy. It's just in and out. It's it's just his weakest work I think I've ever seen. Uh, Yost delivers an interesting script about the, this concept of the other. And uh, at the end of the day, Kane because if he wants to be a good guy and being a bit of a hero and uh, saving those people who matter to him in his life, that he can't just let himself die. So he has to embrace this monster and become the other. It's an interesting concept. I'm interested to see how where I will go from here. Not quite what I want from this book. I want something else. Um, I don't know. I just want to see Kane doing his own thing and not being bogged down in this other. But you know what? This could be an interesting little uh, storyline to do for a few issues, maybe. So I'll... I'll uh, I'll reserve judgment till it's over. I gave it a 
as I said, a six out of ten. But really, that story is worth seven and a half. But that 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 uh, the the artwork is worth about a four and a half. So on average, it ends up being a, a six. Next up is Secret Avengers number one. Eh, didn't much care for this. I thought the script was all right. Um, not a big fan of the the artwork. But Luce Ross's artwork could have been a lot better than this. Um, I don't know. I don't even know why Black Widow and Hawkeye are really here. We don't really get to know why because it's redacted. Ooh, it's special. Um, uh, I don't even know why this is called Secret Avengers. I mean, it's basically a S.H.I.E.L.D. book. you got Phil Coulson. you got um, uh, Maria Hill, who's, I guess, the acting director when Daisy's not around. Uh, you also have the new Nick Fury, Nick Fury Jr. Uh, and then you got Black Widow and Hawkeye as well. Um, I didn't much care for the whole idea that they're doing memory implants, and like it's kind of cool, but not really. Uh, I I want this to just be a shield book. I don't want it to have to be a, an Avengers related book or to shoehorn these characters in. It, it's, it's the story's all right. The artwork's not the greatest. Again, I gave it a six, seven out of ten because uh, it, it didn't give me a lot that I was really that excited about. And I mean, the ending's kind of interesting, but also kind of like you know who the, who cares. I don't know. I want to feel like there's a reason for this. And the point one issue made it seem like this is going to be part of something greater. And that there's going to be something really important that they're going to be uh, doing in terms of the story. But thus far, I mean, I I found this really not all that interesting at all. And didn't really engage me as nearly as much as I thought it might. Um, So I didn't really care. Uh, I gave it a 7 out of 10 because I think there's a lot of potential for this book. But thus far, it's not quite doing that. But maybe, you know, there's a lot of time... Uh, to do that, so maybe it'll start to be much more interesting. One can only hope. Uh, next up is Suicide Squad number 17. Speaking of books that I hope are more interesting soon, uh, the last few issues have been pretty good. This with Red Orchid, not the greatest, but you know, I kind of like this book just because it's kind of silly and again, it's 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 much more of a romp. You have the Suicide Squad who don't really like each other all that much at times, but and that weird new character was just experimenting with his powers, and they're fighting against samurais, and, you know, it's, it's, um, it's not, a, again, this is kind of like Deathstroke, it's not a thinking man's comic, but it's fun, it's, it's kind of silly and dumb and stupid, but also still enjoyable, and I don't mean to be insulting saying it's dumb and stupid, but there's some, it's like when you watch an action movie that it's more about the action and just kind of getting there and having fun than necessarily telling a really, uh, thought-provoking story or with really good direction etc like it's just about this kind of over-the-top silly action but having a good time with itself that's what i felt here it's written by adam glass with pencils by henrik johnson um so i gave it a seven out of ten sorry six and a half out of ten it's not the greatest issue because i don't know it felt like it i don't know it just kind of lacked a certain direction the last few issues felt like they had a little bit more importance and this one was just kind of like let's fight some samurais but you know there's time and a place for that and i still enjoyed it i'm actually going to upgrade it to a seven it was worth it was worth it uh it was a fun read it wasn't bad it didn't make me scratch my head or didn't make me annoyed it didn't make me angry at the artwork or any of that i mean it was it was still a good read uh next up is uncanny x-men number one First of all, I feel stupid because I, re- I read this and I was talking with my brother-in-law yesterday and I was saying how I really didn't like at the end how Magneto's bald. I'm like, what the hell is the point of that? He's like, well, it's because he's honoring Professor-, Professor X. And I was like, honestly, I didn't even get that and I feel so stupid. And I'm sure other people have read it and been like, well, yeah, obviously that makes sense. This is why that happened. Didn't get that at all. I didn't, that didn't even make, I didn't even get that. Um, I... 
I, I guess it bothers me because, first of all, I like Magneto having hair, and I don't like that Bachelot especially doesn't really have the ability to make Magneto not look like Charles Xavier, and I guess that's kind of what bothered me more, is that like he doesn't look like Magneto saw his hair. He looks like Charles Xavier, and that's a problem, because Magneto is not Xavier, and he shouldn't even look like him. Even when he's bald, he should still look different and not look the same. Um... I, I like that the, I, the artwork by Bachelor felt really restrained here, so it's actually pretty good, and it's not nearly as kind of off the off the wall batshit crazy as sometimes Bachelor can be. Um, well, his depiction of Nick Fury really left a lot to be desired. Interesting issue in terms of looking at the past a uh, little while and seeing what Cyclops is really up to. Interesting that Magneto's kind of. He's still allied with them, but he's still pretty pissed at uh, Cyclops enough to ally himself with the government. So that's interesting, too. Um, you know, I, I remain kind of optimistic and on the fence about where this series might end up going and how interesting it'll end up being. Um, our work by Bachelor is pretty good. The, the writing by Bendis is, is fairly good, but again, there's a lot of sitting in one place and telling a story about events that have just recently happened. Uh, didn't like the depiction of Magneto because I'm not... I'm not quite sure if I'd buy him doing it, but I'll, I'm, I'll buy him for now. But I don't like the artwork on him because I, I want him to have his hair, which is such a stupid comment. But, like, when did he shave his head? And did Cyclops not notice this and think, you know, are you doing this on purpose? You're being a bit of a dick? And I don't know. And how does Cyclops not know or realize that Magneto is kind of traipsed off to talk to the government? I do have a lot of questions. Um, but, you know, I'm coming back in for the next issue, totally. I'll give it a 7 out of 10. And uh, next up is Wolverine and the X-Men. This is actually the last book I'm reviewing this week. Wolverine and the X-Men number 25. Did not care about this at all. Um, even giving it a 6 out of 10 felt too high. I didn't find the artwork all that enjoyable. Um, I don't know. I wanted more from this, and it just didn't give me what I wanted at all. Um, the artwork is by Perez. Uh, the actual story is written by uh, Jason Aaron. So it's Ramon Perez, or Perez, who actually does the artwork. And it's this jaunt to the Savage Land, and then you have Dog, who, I don't know, I forget when we saw him as being alive, but I don't care. Leave, like, why do you have to ruin Origins and bring this Dog character to the present? Like, I don't care. The whole traipsing through the Savage Land didn't work for me either. The artwork wasn't that enjoyable. This book is so frustrating, because you'll have an amazing issue... And then you'll have something so stupid or just not that enjoyable afterwards. And then it's just this constant seesaw in terms of quality. I'm getting whiplash from reading this book. I'll read an issue and be like, that, that is fantastic. They nearly killed Brew. I'm really upset, but I'm emotionally connected. And then you do some weird issues with the weird circus. And I just, I don't know. The book needs to find its center and it doesn't have one. And maybe that's a good thing and a bad thing at the same time. It's, it's able to be fluid and be many different things. But so far, I like it just to be one thing. And that's good consistently. And it hasn't been that for me. Um, I gave it a 6 out of 10. I just didn't like it all that much. So the books I didn't get a chance to read this week were Before Watchmen Comedian number 5, Demon Knights 17, Ghostbusters number 1, Katana number 1, uh, Ravagers number 9, Superboy 17, Team 7 number 5, Todd the Ugliest Kid on Earth number 2, Threshold number 2, Ultimate Comics X-Men number 22, X-Men 41, and Extreme X-Men number 10. Um, so it's a, a fair mix there in terms of uh, 
Marvel, other, and DC books that I didn't get a chance to read. I think DC, there was one, two, three, four, five, six, maybe seven books, three Marvel books, and two others. Uh, okay, so not as even as I thought, but whatever. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting week in comics. I am looking forward to this coming week. Uh, I'm just going to pull up uh, a quick listing of all the books that are meant to come out this week on February the 20th. Um, this is actually something new I want to do in my actual review episodes is not just talk about what just happened, but also looking at what's about to come out and kind of seeing what I'm looking forward to and, and, um, what I'm excited about reading this coming week and hopefully will end up being worth it and be as good as, I mean, the, my, my favorite reads this week was obviously Manhattan Projects and Batman. Those are two great books. Um, but looking forward to next week, um, from DC, there's Action Comics, which, maybe it'll be good maybe it won't be it's hard to tell um also we've got batwoman coming out which should look great uh birds of prey 17 that should be a good read i've been enjoying that overall catwoman 17 which i may not even read because i haven't been enjoying it uh whenever it's been coming out uh dc universe presents 17 depending on what the lead stories are i may or may not actually end up reading that uh, Green Lantern number 17, Green Lantern Core 17, Green Lantern New Guardians 17. Holy crap, stop putting them all out in one day. Uh, the Wrath of the, of the First Lantern. Um, interesting to see how it'll go because it's Jeff John's last major event before he's gone and so is everyone else who's currently writing a Green Lantern book. Uh, there's also Justice League 17, which I'm looking forward to because I'm really enjoying the Throne of Atlantis story. Uh, there's also Justice League of America number 1, which could really go either way. Um, I'm interested to see how many people actually buy the complete pack, which is every cover. It's $150 for one issue, 50, what, four times? Or, ah, it's ridiculous. Um, there's also the new Vibe comic, which is actually called Justice League of America's Vibe. Wow, that's the only way they're going to sell that book. Uh, there's also Nightwing 17, which is advertised as a death of the family, so probably as an epilogue. Same thing with Red Hood and the Outlaws. Uh, there's also new issues of Supergirl, Sword of Sorcery, when Wonder Woman coming out, and there's also a Teen Titans Omnibus by Jeff Johns, which a little overpriced, uh, so I'm probably going to end up giving that a pass, but I kind of want it, maybe if I find it at a good price at some point. Um, and then from uh, from Image, there's Saga number 10 coming out next week, and uh, then we have, for Marvel, quick rundown of what's coming up this coming week is Alpha Big Alpha number one, Avengers number six, cannot wait because I'm absolutely loving that book. Uh, there's also Captain America number four, which I, I don't really care. I haven't been enjoying it. It's not really my cup of tea. Captain Marvel number 10, which should be okay. Daredevil 23, which I, I'm always in love with that book. Dark Avengers 187, meh. Deadpool number five, another, another meh. Uh, Indestructible Hulk number four, I really, really dig the, that book uh, and its interpretation of the character, so I'll be in on that. Morbius the Living Vampire number two. Interesting to see where it goes. Wasn't a huge fan of the first issue. Maybe I'll be a surprise uh, with the new one. Nova number one. I'm actually pretty excited about this. I know it's Jeff Loeb and Ed McGinnis, and that's not always the greatest uh, combination, as we've seen on Red Hulk, um, but it could be really good, and I'm, I'm willing to give it a shot. Uh, also, we've got Savage Wolverine number two, Superior Spider-Man number four, Loving Superior Spider-Man, so I'm looking forward to that. Thor, God of, number, God of Thunder, number five. Again, I'm not really sure if I really care. Ultimate Comics, Ultimates, number 21. And uh, Wolverine Max, number four. And X-Factor, 252. So that's a lot of stuff coming up. So it should be a good week in comics. Um, also, for those who are following along on the different episodes we run, 
uh, episode number 54, which will be coming out either, uh, I'm not really sure if it's going to come out uh, Wednesday at, uh, well, Tuesday night at midnight, which is its usual time, or if I'm going to delay it a day because of the late posting of this podcast, but I've yet to make that decision. Um, that'll be a top five favorite Hulk storylines. Uh, my a new guest of the show, Tom Kerr, will be joining me, and we'll be running down our favorite Hulk stories and talking about what we think makes Hulk great, favorite Hulk writers, etc., uh, which should be a, a fun and enjoyable episode. Oh, I've already recorded it, so I know I had fun, but I hope that you do too. Um, and I'm not really sure what the, we're going to be on tap for next week. Um, we're working on a bunch of things. Uh, recently, we put out an open call for story ideas, not story ideas, podcast ideas, and what people would like to see us talk about in the future on the podcast. I put the post on HC Realms. Just do a list of some uh, opinions and uh, what people want to see. If you have any opinions of your own, please let me know, and I'm interested in seeing what people want to see on the show. Um, anyways, thanks for joining us. This has been relatively abbreviated episode because we didn't go through as many comics as normal but i'm your host adam chapman thank you for joining us again for comic shenanigans you can email me directly at uh, comic shenanigans at gmail.com or like us on facebook uh the facebook i gotta admit i haven't been as diligent at updating it as often as i should but you can also uh, send us a message there and i'm happy to have any kind of correspondence just to discuss uh comics etc uh so thanks for joining us and we'll be sure to see you next time Bye bye